0: Today, I am absolutely overjoyed to welcome back to the podcast one of my dearest friends, the talented freelance illustrator, blogger, and film fan, Kate Gabrielle, the designer of both the season one and two versions of our gorgeous Watch with Jen Logo, who also has done work for the TCM Film Festival, Netflix, Doubleday, Mental Floss, and more. Kate sells her delightful work at her own shop, kategabrielle.com. And you can also pick up your own Watch with Jen merchandise drawn by Kate by visiting my site, filmintuition.com, and clicking the shop link. Kate, it is so wonderful to have you back. How are you doing and how's the summer treating you?
1: Thank you so much for having me back. It's always a joy to talk to you, either on the podcast or off. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Summer has been nice. It was a lot nicer at the beginning when like I had just been vaccinated and um I know, you know, right? <laughs> coming out of quarantine and I was like doing everything I could possibly do after a year of being stuck inside. Um but I mean I guess a little bit lately it's I've been <laughs> more wanting to stay inside again because it's getting scary out there again.
0: It is. um, Yeah.
1: (laughs) But the beginning of the summer was wonderful. I went to Disney World after I got vaccinated and I went to New York and saw uh, La Piscine, one of my absolute favorite movies. They did a new restoration and they were playing it at the film forum. So I was vaccinated in time to see that. So beginning of the summer was wonderful.
0: (laughs) Yes. I know. It's just lately things are kind of shifting, but yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the many cool things about being lucky enough to be your friend, besides, of course, wow. our many watch and talks of Elaine Delon and Robert De Niro movies, is being privy to some of the cool things you're working on behind the scenes and our new products that might be coming to the shop or collaborations. And just today, Kate surprised me as we're recording this with a gorgeous new Sophia Coppola shirt for Watch With Jen. So do check that out. I encourage you. But obviously for everything else I don't know what's public and what isn't and what you can talk about. So consulting you, is there anything you've been working on lately or something coming soon that you're allowed to give us a sneak preview of?
1: Um, well there's there's two freelance things I'm working on right now that are incredibly exciting and have been taking up most of my time. Both of them are secret. Okay. <laughs> I yes, I can say let me see. I can say one of them um, I'll be able to share by September. Definitely. Cool. Um, and that's just sort of like, it's not a product people can buy, but it's just an exciting collaboration I did. And then the other project is a massive, um, massive project for the estate of a very awesome actor. And that's as far as I'm going to go, but I'll say it's one of the most exciting uh, projects I've ever been privileged to work on. And I, every time I'm working on it, I'm in disbelief that I'm getting to work on this. It's, um, it's it's like a mistake that
0: (laughs) they asked me. It's so well-deserved and I'm (laughs) so excited because I know what it is and I'm like (laughs) bursting. So do stay tuned for Kate because she's going to be announcing all of this stuff in the future. You also have new merchandise coming to the shop. You've been teasing out that I don't know if they're up yet, but maybe bags or purses might be coming. So, very excited. Actually,
1: after um, we're done recording the podcast, my brother, who's a photographer, is going to take the product photos for me. Um, That's on the schedule for today. So, yeah, they're um, bags that I designed. I'm, I'm just going to say what they are. I've been yeah. teasing it, but I'm going to just say it. Uh, there are bags where there's a compartment for holding a water bottle. So if you're like out and about, uh, you don't have to hold your water bottle. Um, It has a section for like, you know, your phone and your wallet and everything. And then there's a section for your drink. And um, so you can like shop hands-free or go for walks hands-free, but they're really cute because everything I've ever seen for being able to like carry a water bottle around is very utilitarian.
0: Yeah. Very um, camping, you can get like, like an extra, yeah.
1: you know? Yes. Yeah. So I wanted something cute. I have like, uh, two different designs in four different colors. Um, and the, uh, there's one that's a smaller bag and it has like a scalloped, um compartment and they have like a little heart embellishment they're they're very cutesy and me like my aesthetic but um yeah. but I'm I'm very 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 I've talked to you about this privately yes. very very nervous about uh finally launching these because I'm just so terrified that it wasn't a wise investment to produce these but um also excited because it was something I was I had been thinking about this idea for a really long time and finally decided to just make them. Um and so I'm I'm trying to hold on to the excitement um but like every time I go in the garage and I see these like stacks of boxes filled with the purses that I produced, I just have little panic attacks like oh, what if no. this was a
0: mistake? <laughs> oh no. I've seen but, um, them. I think they're great. I have I been needing a new bag. I mean, How many women, like you can't have too many purses pretty much. agree. especially I live in Arizona, like you go everywhere with water because you never know. And, um, it's like hotter than hell here. So, you know, usually I do have to carry like water in one hand, a purse in the other. And on days when like my back's acting up, I might have to have a cane. It's like, I don't have enough hands. So, um, so that's just marvelous. I can't wait for that. Yeah. Thank so you've you got a customer and me and I know many others <laughs> are going to be really excited. Yeah. yeah. And
1: if not, then I have bag, a bag supply for life. Uh, in yeah. my garage.
0: <laughs> We'll never have to go purse shopping again and be like, yeah. Hey, I'm buying another one off you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they'll be great. we we'll recently you. started working at a local New Jersey theater that shows some art and rep movies. I know working mm-hmm. during COVID isn't ideal, Uh, But it sounds like such a fun environment. So what is that like? And what have you seen lately?
1: It's really fun. I'm, I'm working part-time. I'm just doing uh, like concessions, ticket-taking, working in the box office, things like that. Um, And I've really, really been enjoying it. I, I did it for two reasons. I obviously needed some, I needed some money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then also after being locked up in quarantine for like a year, I really wanted to get out, um, at the house a little bit and be around other people who love the same thing as me. And it's really fun getting to talk movies with people at work and, um, have, I mean, have people in my life who are like physically there that I can talk to. Cause usually
0: I, it's virtual. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Usually all of my friends are long distance and I always end up just talking virtually. So it's kind of nice, um, being able to talk movies in person and, you know, talk about uh, films that I love and have people sort of know what I'm talking about <laughs> and not, yeah, uh, look, have not the background. Look, look, yeah like so many people that I know in person just look at me like I'm crazy when I start talking about movies <laughs> so, so <laughs> it's nice but um but it's it's really great they do every weekend they do like a repertory uh movie so it'll be like Thursdays and Saturdays uh they'll do an older release um last week was The Big Sleep And um, this week is Dr. Strangelove.
0: Oh, that's Um, so cool.
1: It's just really, yeah, it's really fun. I've been doing, like, bringing in tip jar art that corresponds to the movie because I'm a dork. I love that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I've seen some um, cute photos. It kind of reminds me of the photos I see at the New Beverly of, like, the art for you know, for scream, they'll have a Drew Barrymore and a Courtney <laughs> yes. Cox or something. So yeah, I've been yeah. loving all of that too. And yeah. recently Kate was telling me she played, cause I've been doing this virtually cinephile card game. And so she played it at work and it just sounds yeah. like, yeah, nice to have that sort of common interest with people who have the same passion.
1: Yeah, it was so fun. And, um, I was actually shocked cause I don't watch newer movies that much. I Mm -hmm. mostly watch older films, but um, I was shocked that I was able to like make two connections with the six degrees uh, version. And, um, and then I actually bought the card game uh, myself and I decided to just play it on my own. Uh, Like I pulled out two cards uh, while I was working the other night. And just while I was drawing, I was trying to connect the two actors in my head. And it was so funny because it um, I had, I had sent you a text after um, I played at work that Ed Harris was the through line for me. I love that, <laughs> um, yeah. And it's partially because I watched like 20 of his films to prepare for our podcast earlier this yeah. year. <laughs> and he he ended up being the through line again when I when I was playing alone. I just like, in my head, it's like, all right, well, let me see if I could connect this with Ed Harris movies
0: and yeah. I can. <laughs> he he's in, one of those main guys, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was it was fun (laughs) yeah and you've been watching a lot of like Kevin Costner and Robert De Niro and so basically if you get any of those you're like golden Mm -hmm. yeah
1: yeah Kevin Costner was actually part of it too it was Kevin Costner and Ed Harris I used both of
0: them (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh that is so good yeah and you've been watching a lot of 1986 movies so Mm -hmm. you're gonna be way more up on those than probably other people in the group I mean you'll be fine I have actually never won a game with this group because uh, we have three really hardcore people that are Mm -hmm. incredible and they just pull out these like, is that a movie like what is that kind of things out of nowhere, but um, but you're going to be good because you'll have these little like pockets of 1986 knowledge and yeah I can't wait.
1: 1986 and ed
0: harris Those are ed harris. <laughs> yep those are her strengths yes <laughs> well last time you were here we did as she said uh discuss the career of actor ed harris and that was so much fun and today we're back and ready to chat about another one of your favorite actors dirk bogard i should say before we get to dirk we had mentioned in the past that we were planning future episodes on hayley mills and elaine Delon, and rest assured those are going to be coming. In fact, it was hilarious because no sooner did we announce Haley Mills than I think Kate knew this, and I just was clueless. I heard she had a new memoir coming out in September of 2021, so I thought, no, that doesn't work. Like We got to wait for the books. Our order did get shuffled, but I'm very excited to talk about Dirk today because I know how much he means to you, and he was amazingly pretty new to me. I remember seeing him in A Tale of Two Cities with my paternal grandmother, who was a big Dickens devotee, but actually had not seen him in anything else. Got a lot of pockets of knowledge there with British cinema that need to be filled. So you're a much bigger expert here. And today I'm eager to learn from and defer to you. We'll be going into the movies in a moment. But before we do that, I would love to know what is it about Dirk Bogard the gifted British actor that you find so compelling and how long have you been a fan
1: um well I've been a fan since TCM featured him on Summer Under the Stars in 2009 I think oh, okay wow. um I for some reason I whenever I had seen his name before I think I was picturing like Edmund O'Brien um the okay like yeah. Actor, American actor who was in like noirs and stuff. Um, I picture him in like DoA, where he's kind of like sweaty and <laughs> like oh, I've of, got you. Know, you. That, okay, yeah, okay. Um, and I'm not a giant Edmund O'Brien fan, and so I would see Dirk Bogart's in a movie and I would skip it. Like I, in my head, was just completely mischaracterizing him. Yeah, you're like, and why then I wanted
0: to watch the sweaty guy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> um, so on his day of summer under the stars, I think I wasn't feeling well and I was laying on the couch and I just put TCM on anyway. And it was, um, so long at the fair, uh, which is one of the movies I picked yeah. for you to watch. And, um, I just was so smitten. It, I was like, wait, uh, who is this? Um, <laughs> why was I not aware that this is who Dirk Bogart is? He's amazing. Um, and then it was like one of those rabbit hole obsessions where like you watch one movie and then you're like I am compelled to watch everything they've ever made (laughs) Um, (laughs) and I I had a film blog at the time where I was sort of regularly posting about movies and it just became like a Dirk Bogard blog at that point
0: (laughs) I I was telling me that yeah
1: yeah I like apologized to anyone who was reading it like numerous times because it was just, it was Dirk Bogard content for like months afterwards. And then I ended up starting a separate blog about Dirk Bogard because I felt so bad that like anyone who was following me for other content was like only getting Dirk Bogart. <laughs> um, and, and it was just literally for probably a couple of years, I just went through as many of his films as I could find. Um, there was a
0: Hallmark
1: special that he did where he did blind spirit um like for television. Yeah. Yeah. And I at the time, I think it's on YouTube now, but at the time you couldn't get it anywhere. And I went to the Paley Center in New York uh specifically to watch this. I was just like so determined to track down every movie he ever made, Mm. every anything he ever made. Um and I it's funny because I've been thinking a lot about like what it is about him that I love so much. Mm. Um And it's so hard to pinpoint, but I, I feel like it might be that he has a vulnerability um, in a lot of his roles where it feels, he feels very human. um, And especially like for that time period, a lot of people could seem like larger than life and not show any kind of frailty. And even even in the roles where he is supposed to be more like um i know there it's tough cuz i i know you don't know many of his movies so i don't want to actually like reference I watched any of a bit. couple You're... extra
0: um, okay which yeah. ones i watched cast a dark shadow which i loved okay. and then yesterday I watched the servant which was amazing oh okay yeah that's
1: the one i i was going to yes. mention the servant okay. <laughs> um yeah that like in that role he's obviously not playing a very a delicate
0: character. <laughs> but, no, um, but he's fascinating, very enigmatic. Yeah. Like you just yes. your eye goes right there.
1: And he's he's just so complex and um but also versatile like that he, you know he can play like in um in accident. I feel like he is very uh awkward and you can sense like just this feeling of unease that mm-hmm. is just like emanating off of him all the time yeah. where in where in the servant there's this like insane confidence mm-hmm.
0: um yeah but what is you know, it hiding? Like, yeah this bravado yes, yes. but you're like yeah you know, when they start talking about the war you're like okay this is coded you know yeah. homosexuality which is dirt mm-hmm. and it's yeah it's brilliant that movie i was yeah completely obsessed and i was looking at the other ones so i was gonna ask you for later like which other ones but we'll get to that but yeah <laughs> no he's a really um just compelling actor to watch cast a dark shadow uh completely captivated me as well i love those kind of Hitchcocky. i'm so glad you were i actually
1: yeah. i rewatched
0: that too actually okay <laughs> so bluebeard's fresher yeah. yeah 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 did that. i it, was crazy because it was right after I'd watched, I think like accident and darling. And then all of a sudden it was a left turn. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yep. I mean, it is like, he, it's funny. Cause I was watching an interview with him where he was talking about how in the fifties um, he just felt like he was a matinee idol and um, that, you know, he wasn't a serious actor that people just thought of him like the Beatles kind of yeah.
0: <laughs> That like
1: women would try to like cut off pieces of his hair when they saw him in oh, public. And just, like, complete, you know, Insanity. crazed yeah. fandom. Um, but watching Cast a Dark Shadow, which is actually sort of from, I think, around that time period, he was doing serious, um, intense roles. And yeah. showing, you know, like, a lot of people think that he was just, he did, I don't know if you saw this, he did, like, a series of movies, like, the Doctor series in the 50s.
0: I heard about that. They were but kind of, like, lighter
1: Mm-hmm. okay they were like lighter films um i think a lot of people just associate him with that before he moved into like the heavier roles after yeah. victim and like like having the servant and accident and stuff um but it is Castle dark shadow even hunted um there's some pretty uh intense roles that he did pretty early on
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was trying to fight against that, and that's I yeah. think it shows um integrity, and it definitely showed his range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, today that's what was... I was trying. Oh, go for
1: I'm it! Sorry, I was just yeah. gonna say I, I, when I was picking the four movies, I, I feel like right actually I should just like apologize slightly up front because um first of all, I rewatched *Modesty blaze to prepare, and I the whole time I just kept thinking like I can't believe I made Gen Watch this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. I mean, it was entertaining. It wasn't my favorite, but it was entertaining and I oh. loved the color and everything. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, i um, fine. I
1: I wanted to pick four where I felt like it was sort of like a range and there was uh yeah, sort of like really a, a variety. Uh-huh. Um but I also I I feel like anybody who's a Dirk Bogard fan who like decides to listen and they see what four movies I pick are going to be like wait why didn't she pick victim why didn't she pick the servant where's uh, death in Venice
0: <laughs> and yeah we'll come back you know, this might be jerk okay. part one we don't know yeah. <laughs> I know I always say that to people because I'll get like feedback like you only picked those Tom Hanks movies or whatever it is yeah. it's like well that's just what they picked you know we can do another <laughs> one yeah so it's very funny like I'm going to plan to do an episode on Cary Grant and I'm sure I could do like 10 on Cary Grant because he was in everything so yeah and so so many good movies yes exactly decades of film and different styles of filmmaking but yeah today we'll be going chronologically through the movies chosen by Kate including So Long at the Fair from 1950 when Dirk was in that more matinee idol phase, and then jumping into his acclaimed British art house era, starting with 1965's Darling, followed up a year later with something completely different, Modesty Blaze in 1966, (laughs) and then going straight to Accident from 1967. We'll likely be referencing other titles as we go, but because we'll be dealing with some spoilers, if you haven't seen the movies all of which you can find online via YouTube, Canopy, or Criterion. Please proceed with caution. But kicking things off, we're starting with an intriguing gaslight thriller, probably the best case of screen gaslighting since Hitchcock's The Lady Vanishes* and also Gaslight, of course. We're talking about director Terrence Fisher and Anthony Darnborough's So Long at the Fair, based upon the 1947 novel from author Anthony Thorne. In the film, which was made in 1950, two British siblings, played by Jean Simmons and David Tomlinson, journey to Paris in 1889. After their first evening at a small hotel, uh, following busy few hours going out to dinner and to the Moulin Rouge, Vicky, played by Jean Simmons, awakens to find not only that her older brother has vanished, but also has all record of him from the hotel and the uncooperative proprietors keep insisting that he was never there. Going to the police and then the embassy after a witness to his existence dies, she assumes all hope might be lost until she meets Dirk Bogard, to whom her brother had loaned a small sum of money the night before. And fortunately, Putting his head together with Vicky's, the two strive to get to the bottom of the mystery. A very compelling and all too real period thriller, as all of us, especially women, are made to feel gaslit at one point or another. I really enjoyed this one, and I know you love it. So talk to me, Kate, about So Long at the Fair. You said it was your first Dirk, and yes, I'd love to hear more.
1: I'm so glad that you liked it. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I actually sort of knew the plot of this one when I watched it. Because I don't, did did you have you watched Alfred Hitchcock Presents?
0: Um, the his TV show of it, but like you know, I would have watched those episodes years ago. Yeah,
1: uh, there's one actually with his daughter Pat Hitchcock that's basically the same plot except that it's her mother instead of her brother disappears. Um, and I had seen that before I saw the movie. So I sort of like suspected what was going on when I watched it, but, um, but it was, it it was still, I thought it was amazing. And like I said, it hooked me completely hook line and sinker for Dirk Bergard when I watched it for the first time. Um, there, there was just something about the setting, you know, that it takes place like, you know, at the world's fair and, um, in Paris. And it was just so, uh, i don't know mysterious and just uh, there's just something about like the atmosphere of this movie that just feels very like it pulls you in and it's very enchanting and um yeah. i like i love the you know the scene where like the, she's sneaking into the hotel with the masquerade you know the mask oh, on yeah, and the stuff
0: mask and, on. yeah yeah it's
1: just you know and but also like that everybody is so sinister too i love the woman who plays the uh owner of the hotel or, or not owner, maybe, maybe owner. I'm not sure what she is, but the person who's doing, doing, (laughs) doing most, most of the gaslighting. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just everything about it is just very well done, I think. And I love, uh, Gene Simmons and Dirk Bogart together. I wish that they had been like a screen team or something like they're just very
0: well had, suited together yeah they had um, really good chemistry it was kind of gothic and kind of eerie yes, but gothic. i liked but i liked their charm together it was cool to see david tomlinson and something other than mary poppins because that first yes. one, how do i know him and then oh my <laughs> god yes so that was great um, the other thing uh it made me, it completely hooked me. I love all those stories like, no, you're crazy, no, I'm not, those kind of things. And um, so immediately after that, I'm like, I need to watch Flight Plan again, which is not even a great movie. I don't know if you've seen it. It had um Jody. Oh, so Jodie Foster. Yeah. Okay, yes. It wasn't even the greatest, but I remembered it had a similar premise where she goes on mm-hmm. an airplane and you know, and you her daughter, they
1: say her daughter,
0: right? Yeah. Yes. Like you didn't come on here with a kid and you're like, what? So, um, yeah. yeah, So I watched that one right after, but it's funny. I was thinking why Dirk Barber. I mean, he's very handsome. He has a very good screen presence, but maybe a big reason why he appealed at least to me when I watched this. And I don't know if it was the same for you. I recently rewatched for a James Cameron episode, a bunch of his movies and in Aliens and in Terminator, he's like backing a woman up with something crazy. And in Aliens, ah. um, the character Michael Bean plays, has I was realizing it's the hottest line a guy can ever say, which is, <laughs> I believe you. And he <laughs> says that to Sigourney Weaver. And then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I was not expecting to have a crush on like 1986 Michael Bean, but we're here now. And so then it was around the time I watched this and I'm like, I think it's just these handsome men that are like backing up women and like, I believe you. And you're like, that's just great. Yeah. Yeah. That is such that a enough. good point. I don't know. That never, that
1: never even occurred to me. That can be like <laughs> the catalyst for this whole dark Bogart obsession.
0: <laughs> I don't know. That was for me, but I don't know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is like, there is a little bit of like a, you know, knight in shining armor element where, you Mm -hmm. know, she feels so hopeless. And, you know, also, she says she didn't have any other family, you know, like, who was she supposed to go home to and stuff. And then he finally swoops in and is like, I believe you and I'm going to help you get to the bottom of this. And it's yeah. How can, how can you not fall for that?
0: I know it's amazing. Yes. Wow. And I think we're both kind of close to our brothers or I was mm-hmm. much closer growing up. So if you're close to your sibling and you watch this movie, then it really gets under your skin. Like who has a yeah. brother? Like, you know, like oh, nobody messes with your too. brother. Yeah. yeah. So when I was, I was like transported to being a kid and thinking, you know, nobody's going to mess with my sibling. So <laughs> Yeah, it's actually, it's
1: funny that you mentioned that because I literally just before we were, uh, before we got on the call, I was um, booking a trip to Connecticut for me and my brother for um, next March. We're going to go to, they're doing like a 90s convention um, Yeah, and uh, someone on Twitter sent me the link. And, like, within minutes, I texted him and was like, would you want to go to this with me? And um, he texted back, like, um, yes, de- definitely. And, like, literally just within, like, the span of 15 minutes, I had booked uh, this trip to Connecticut for next year and, like, photo ops with Melissa Joan Hart. And-
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, it's, like, a 90s convention. That is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, And Melissa Joan Hart, she's, like, one of your faves.
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh. I can. Could- Yeah, I I shouldn't go down that path, but like I'm a huge Clarissa. (laughs) Clarissa explains it all fan, so it's very exciting.
0: But but yeah, so
1: hopefully I won't like wake up in the morning and find that his hotel room is boarded up and uh, that he's missing. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs)
0: he'll be like, text me every thirty minutes, or that line from Parks and Rec. Yeah, where you're like, text me every half hour so I know you're okay. No,
1: although maybe if he does disappear, then I meet someone like Dirk Bogard and. (laughs)
0: all as well yeah yeah I mean it's a risk we're willing to take no yes. no offense to the brother no I'm just kidding but you know at least we can't spoil that you know but yeah
1: yeah silver lining um,
0: silver linings you know yeah you get a dirk you never know no I'm just yes. kidding were you guys you had talked to me this is totally off topic but I love it you guys were going to maybe go to New York. Was it to see Goodfellas? Are you still doing that, or with Delta? Are you um, kind of?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure because of Delta. Yeah. It's it, We're just like iffy about. It's a train ride for us to go to New York. Ooh, um, yeah, I can yeah. See that. So, I mean, it depends. A lo- around here, they've been doing a like. I live in New Jersey, and in New Jersey and New York, um, they've been implementing a lot of vaccine requirements so like to go to movies in new york i think you have to be vaccinated so it would be safe to go in the movie theater but i'm just iffy about the train unless they do implement some kind of uh safety requirements or something and i'm not sure if We'd want to drive in or not, but yeah, yeah,
0: and in but, the but, city. Yeah,
1: but Goodfellas is my brother's favorite movie, and you introduced me to it this year, and I loved it. So I, I would really love to see it on a big screen. We'll see.
0: I know I've um, never seen it, yeah. so I was going to live vicariously through you. <laughs> but with Delta, I totally understand, and at least you've got that yeah. '90s convention, so that's very cool. Yes, yes,
1: and hopefully things will be better by March.
0: So. Yes, fingers crossed. Everybody get yeah. their third shot by then. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. Well, and next, first and second. If you I know, get, right? Yeah, yeah. Everybody get one. <laughs> yeah. Be like Oprah and you get a vaccine and you get a, No. Okay. <laughs> well, next we have one of the most famous and acclaimed British movies of the 20th century. One that was a big hole for me of films that I needed to see and always wanted to. And I just don't know why I never have. So I'm awfully glad that you chose director John Schlesinger's 1965 landmark Darling, written by Frederick Raphael, nominated for five Academy Awards, ranging from Best Picture to Costume Design, the film starring Julie Christie as a beautiful, bored 20-something model looking for existential meaning in a series of men, garnered Christie the Oscar for Best Actress, as well as awards for Best original screenplay and best costume design. Though most synonymous with Julie Christie, of course, Dirk Bogard steals a number of scenes from the actress, I thought, particularly late into the movie during an explosive fight. He plays a TV interviewer and journalist who leaves his wife and kids for the model early on. And then, of course, trouble arises. They're both extraordinary here, as is the whole cast. So, Kate, tell me your thoughts on Darling. Um, did you enjoy it? Oh, I did very much. Oh, I good, thought it good, was good. very stylish. <laughs> Just the performances were so good. It's so yeah. 60s and so mod. And what I loved about it was that it kind of reminded me of, you know, you've I'm sure you've read Jane Fonda's bio too, about how she changed with all of her men that she was with, her, her mm-hmm. autobiography. And it kind of reminded me of that because we have this Sort of model who doesn't really know who she is so much, uh, without a man. Like she's married at the mm-hmm. beginning, meets another guy and becomes like a different incarnation of herself, then meets the advertising guy, becomes a different, and then eventually royalty. So I loved that. She's questioning, we don't really know. Um, that dares to be unsympathetic with our um uh, lead and uh like they're leaving spouses and cheating and like um you know, treating other cultures kind of as try-ons and doing sort of different things. So they're a little strange, but I loved the performances and yeah, I thought it was a really great movie.
1: Oh, I'm so glad. I was actually so worried because you tweeted, uh, it was like, what are the two, it was something like, tweet two movies that would make a weird double feature that you just watched or something and you tweeted like darling and um another one what was the it was a um comedy with Charles Broden
0: maybe um oh Clifford yes it was so strange because there was that article about Clifford that day and I had never uh, seen it and I was like I guess I have to watch Clifford and then how weird is that to follow up darling with Clifford but yeah. yeah
1: somebody replied to you and said at least they're both amazing and you said like it depends on your definition of the word (laughs) and and i was like oh
0: no yeah that was darling i was so worried no i didn't want i didn't i
1: didn't want to come out and ask this so i just was like i'm so relieved you
0: liked the movie (laughs) oh no have you seen clifford i don't get why people love this movie oh please (laughs) like yeah, it's a cult film, I guess. I heard that Nicolas mm-hmm. Cage actually broke a VCR, rewinding like a scene over and over again. I watched wow. this thing and like after a half hour, I was just like, why do people like this? And so it kept going and going. And somebody is like, no, it's amazing. And I'm like, depends on like, it's amazingly bad. I don't I don't know. So yeah, no. Okay, I'm so relieved. Great <laughs> good, film. Yes. Good.
1: It's one of my... Top four favorite movies ever I oh, love really? this movie so much and I it, it's yeah it's one of those movies where I actually after I watched this one to prepare uh for talking to you I I thought like I might love this movie too much to be able to articulate anything about it like it's I understand um, that feeling. one of those movies yeah, yeah like what when you're done watching it you just feel like full um full of love for the movie for the world for the fact that cinema exists it it just um it I can't pinpoint what it is about it that it's like I love so many moments in it I love Mm -hmm. the arc as a whole I love the way it ends with the woman singing um on the the street I like every decision that was made about this movie I love it to pieces <laughs> like,
0: it's,
1: it's so hard to even explain. Like, there's a lot of um, choices with the direction, too. Like, I like when the uh, all of the clothes are piled up on the bed and then it cuts to them laying on the bed uh, mm-hmm. after all the party guests have gone. I love yeah. when there's... Sh-
0: it seemed New Wave yeah. kind of inspired. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, that actually might be part of it is that I love, like, French New Wave so much. And this is actually yes. almost like a British version of that. Mm -hmm. I could see, like, almost I could actually see this having been directed by Truffaut in a way. Like, there's elements, I think, um, that remind me of why I love Truffaut so much. And, like, I loved uh, the scene where they're taking the pictures of her and they keep freeze-framing the shots. Very Jules and Jim. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. It's just, um, I mean, these are silly little pieces to pick out. But, like, I just, I... I can't put into words how much I love this movie. I love Dirk Bogart in it so much. Um, I love uh, the scene when they're sort of like falling for each other, but they're still married and they're kind of like, do we, don't we? Um, Mm -hmm. And, and he says like, what do you want to do? And she goes, or or no, she says, what do you want to do? And he goes, I don't know. And stares off in the distance. And then he looks back at her and goes, I do know. Mm -hmm. And, and then goes, I don't know that's yeah it's like oh the dialogue is just I don't know I do know yeah I, I don't know
0: today but we the, get over explaining dialogue and yeah yes but yep. it, the
1: way that they look at each other and saying those words it's perfect mm-hmm. I I don't even know how to describe how perfect it is <laughs> I just I love it so much and and like you said their fight scene on the oh my goodness um, on the subway
0: Mm -hmm.
1: unbelievable um yeah you know and and even when they're i i feel like this is one of those things where it's um most people who collect physical media can relate to this but that scene where uh she starts like throwing his books on the ground and it like zooms in on his face being angry (laughs) Yeah, and she's like you know your precious books (laughs) it's like anybody who collects like books or dvds probably in that moment is like don't touch my books or don't touch my DVDs.
0: Yeah. It, it's
1: like, I relate to that so much. And his character, like, you genuinely feel that he is like, um, like, like she doesn't have anything that sort of anchors her and is constantly looking for something. Yep. Yeah, but she you is. F- but you feel like he actually has found it. He has fulfillment in his job when, you know, when he's working, you get the sense he likes what he does and he really does like his books and he cares about literature. You know, when they go to visit the author, he genuinely cares about the author where she cares about how it relates to her. And, um you know, yeah, I, she- I, I actually... Like, I love so so much that, like, every time that it seems like she might be having some personal development, you know, she goes to the funeral and she's looking for him. And you feel like uh, maybe she sees the error of her ways a little bit. And then immediately it turns into her picking up newspapers because she thinks that she's going to be mentioned in there having been at the funeral. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's just, Yeah. um, Yeah. I love little things like that.
0: Yeah. It's about, you know, like vapid consumerism and she doesn't know uh, what she's looking for. It also, it asks a lot of good questions about like the power dynamic, um, between men and women, like he's Mm -hmm. more anchored and established when they're together. And then she's jealous of his ex-wife. And, um, and then, um, he gets jealous when she starts to get a little more notoriety or more, um, I should say like sexual traction with other men, it becomes a thing. And so it also shows like the difference in sometimes when you get your muse or the woman who seems so um, ethereal and then you're with her and you realize what's there, there, sometimes it's, it's a one-dimensional thing. And also there are different points in their life. Like she's coming into her own and doesn't know. And he's like middle-aged and has, probably went through the same thing she went through, but like 20 years ago. So yeah, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, the dynamic between this year, I was more interested in his character, maybe because I'm like closer in age. Um, but I did enjoy the idea of like this young model, because my mom modeled in the 60s. She was nothing like Julie. She was very bookish, <laughs> very shy. So she was nothing like that character. But I thought that was kind of fun to like imagine um, what it would have been like to model in the sixties. Um, so my mom did that a little bit locally. So and so not like super famous. She wasn't the happiness girl or whatever, <laughs> which I love. That's such a great um, note in the film. She's the happiness girl at some very unhappy moments of her life. So wow. kind of showing the surface level of advertisement advertising and the changing sixties. Um I really love the director. He made a movie a few years later, Sunday Bloody Sunday, that I thought was mm-hmm. phenomenal. Um he also he's made great movies. I think he made, yeah, Falcon and the Snowman's one of my favorites. So it was really cool to see this one.
1: I'm so glad you liked it. Yeah. I feel like um the the one quote from the movie that I, I think about it a lot um when she says. It should be so happy or it should be so easy to be happy. I wonder why it isn't. And I feel like that's almost like the theme of her life in the movie. Yeah. It's just con- like that constant searching for it. even though she's not, I feel like she's definitely not a sympathetic character and not supposed to be sympathetic, but I always end up a little bit, em- uh, um, empathizing with oh, yeah. her, her, like just endless like quest to find whatever the thing Mm -hmm. is that will finally make her feel happy and fulfilled even though she's always doing that at the expense of other people yeah Um, it's it's this like constant searching and I feel like that's something I I first watched this when I was actually like way closer to her age I think um now I'm definitely closer to Dirk Bogard's age yeah I still feel like that searching where you oh yeah constantly are um you look at your life and you think like, this isn't bad. It should be so easy to be happy. So why am I not? And I I think about that a lot and that, um, maybe she can be like a lesson that you, you look at her life and think you should be happy,
0: (laughs) you know, like, you
1: you know, like maybe take a page from, um, that book and think like, I'm not going to keep searching and searching and searching until I end up in a, you know,
0: empty Italian, uh, palace. Yes. I know. It's like such a good metaphor for, um, you know, all the glitz and the glamor, but what is inside is empty and kind of like, don't, um, expect to find happiness and meaning in other people you have to bring Mm -hmm. that yourself. And so now, yeah, there's a lot going on in this one. Yeah, for sure. Yep. It was no. I thought it was really marvelous. I I don't know why it took me that long to see it. So I was really glad. Um, it was cool. I saw that Dirk Bogard collection in uh, Criterion. So I'm mm-hmm. eager to explore more. I almost watched. Is it Victim? I think was the other mm-hmm. one I was going to watch. Um, yeah, it's another really yeah. great
1: one. That's that's another yeah. one that's uh, like a uh, iconic. Uh, a yeah. Dark Bogard movie, and also like very important in British cinema, and also actually helped change some laws in England. Oh, really? Um, cool. Around homosexuality.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. this brings us to a colorful oddity, a spy spoof inspired <laughs> by James Bond movies, and loosely, based on the British comic strip, Modesty Blaze, the film directed by Joseph Losey and written by Evan Jones, and the incredible Harold Pinter was adapted from a story crafted by the co- comic strip creator Peter O'Donnell. The gorgeous Monica Vitti plays the titular criminal mastermind who's recruited by the British Secret Service to protect a diamond shipment along with her trusty sidekick played by Terence Stamp who was my favorite character and performance in the film. Dirk Bogard goes full on camp in this movie as the criminal mastermind, Gabriel. It's a stylish bit of nonsense, likely a big inspiration to both the Austin Powers franchise and the French spy spoof OSS 117 series, which is a lot of fun. It was an interesting watch, a big live action cartoon, but yeah, I'm afraid this one wasn't my favorite, mostly because while absolutely stunning, I think Vidi was pretty miscast um, as the oh. lead here. But that just huh. might be me. Um, but again, the visuals and the creativity, it's so 60s. I could see why you would love it. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah.
1: Um. Well, I I sort of I knew we had discussed this before, where I said I really didn't think you were gonna, you were going to like this that much, mm-hmm. uh, but I I just wanted to be able to talk about it.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Anyway, like um, because <laughs> uh, I even before we decided to do the Dirk Bogard um podcast episode, we had talked about doing like when we were just exchanging movies and chatting. Um, oh yeah, and you brought up yeah, Modesty place. Yeah, yeah, it was thinking about making you watch modesty please <laughs> then, um i thought better of it and then for some reason i was like nope we're doing this on the podcast <laughs> that's
0: okay
1: yeah um, but i i love this movie like you said the colors it's so fun yeah um, Music, i love, I, I love how yeah. yes i love how campy it is um i i think one of the things i love the most about this is how much fun it seems like everybody was having making it um like dark bogard for the most part other than a couple movies like uh hot enough for june is one of my favorites that's a spy spoof from the 60s but it's really Mm -hmm. hard to find i wanted you to see that one but
0: oh Oh, yeah i think you mentioned that i I, I probably
1: yeah i might just send yeah i think i might just send you my dvd but to talk about it on the podcast i'd feel bad because like it's really hard to to find a copy if, if somebody wanted to watch it but um Or at least I think it might be on Region 2 DVD, but not available anywhere here. Mm. But anyway, um, it doesn't seem like he gets to really have a lot of fun in a lot of his movies. And this one, he just seems like he's having a blast. And I love Mm -hmm. that. Like, there's so many scenes, like, when he's deciding which lobster to eat. Or he's taking a sip from this, like, giant champagne glass that has a goldfish swimming in it. Um, I know yeah (laughs) or you know or like ripping off his angrily ripping off his white wig to reveal Mm -hmm. his natural black hair underneath um there's there's just like so many scenes Um, yes
0: at first I was like did we dye his hair yeah it's
1: a good wig like it really actually looks it looks good but um I love when he dictates the letter in the like voice of an american general <laughs> yeah but then but then sort of like interjects a note in cockney while he's dictating the note it's, uh, he just seems like he had so much fun there's uh, the scene when um they're deci- they're blowing up a rocket ship and the uh pe- the people on the rocket are just having like a like cute little discussion um, and they're listening in from the victim or from the uh, villain headquarters. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and when they're listening, Dirk Bogart says like, it's such exquisite torture.
0: <laughs> like, he, just,
1: <laughs> he just has so much fun with it. It's, it's so hard not to like just bask in the joy of this movie. I feel like um, and yeah. it to touch on Monica Vitti. I actually I love her performance in this. I okay. I don't, I'm not familiar, I'm not familiar with the uh, source material. So I don't know if that would have like influenced how I felt about the role. If I mm-hmm. knew what she, she was supposed to be like, kind of like uh, people who are familiar with breakfast at Tiffany's as a story. think yep. That Audrey Hepburn shouldn't have been Holly Golightly. Yeah.
0: Um, but if yes. you're not
1: familiar with it, you know, then you think that she's fine, I guess. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Monica Vitti just again same as Dirk Bogart. I think it seems like she's having a lot of fun. She's so well known for doing these like incredibly heavy Antonioni movies. Yeah. Um but she got her start in comedy and I think it's fun that she was able to like come back and do some of that after doing these intense mm-hmm. um you know like really heavy films and I think it seems like she's having a lot of fun and um I love like her random hair changes like when uh Dirk Bogart's like I preferred you as a brunette and then her hair just changes to be a brunette (laughs) yes (laughs) at the table I love it's just so crazy and random and fun and I love um I love the scene when her and Taryn Stamps sing and are eating ice cream
0: Mm Just I thought they had really good chemistry. And I love Terrence Stamp. You know, it's interesting because they do look like they're having a lot of fun. But then after I watched it, people were sending me snippets. Like, I guess Terrence Stamp just wrote a book. And he was Mm kind of coming down on Dirk um, about the making of the movie. He was like, Dirk Mm -hmm. tried to make his character bigger and um, whatever. And then on the making of it, um, I guess Dirk had said... Monica Vitti is the only leading lady he ever had that he actively disliked. Um, Yeah. And I guess I know. And I think maybe it was because um, there was a lot of clashing because um, the guy Mm -hmm. that made the comic strip wanted it to be his way. And of course it's a film. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be its own thing. And Vidi yeah. um, was with uh, Antonioni. And so when he would come to the set, he would like whisper direction to her and she would take it. <laughs> and uh, Joseph Losey was like, you know, I'm directing. And so um, I think Losey of course really respected Antonioni, but he kind of had to like bar him from the set a little bit because um She was doing whatever, you know, uh, Antonioni said, because they worked so marvelously well in all of those very heavy movies like Laclis, which I love. And I love her in those films. I didn't know she had been in comedy originally. So that's very cool. I don't know if it was a language thing or just a tone thing. But um, but it seems like they're having fun. I think Terrence Stamp for me like stole the movie. Um, Dirk Bogard was really uh, over the top and having a ball. Yeah. But there's something about Terrence from the moment you like hear his voice and you see him and you're just like just the most charming guy. Yeah. So yeah. I loved his character. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a shame hearing that about the you know, behind the scenes stuff. You never would guess. I feel like. I know,
0: right? That's, they're professionals. So they did a good job. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like just from watching it, it seemed like a very light, fun film to make. Although I can definitely see um, like creative differences uh, sort of resulting in a movie that doesn't make an awful lot of sense.
0: (laughs) Um, Oh, like if you held a gun to my head, I couldn't explain it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I, I thought you did a great job just describing the plot when you introduced oh, the movie. Nice. I, I was like, if you had to ask me to describe the plot, oh, <laughs> I
0: have no. no idea
1: what I would say. It, it it's just very like um, all over the place, and even the ending, I have no idea what is the ending. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> but like,
1: but but it's it brings me so much joy watching this movie yes. and seeing Dirk Bogard like laying there going like champagne, champagne. I know. Yeah.
0: You can you know, definitely and, tell it inspired a lot of movies since then. Yeah. yeah,
1: and and also the costume design and the set design on this movie are like like this might actually be my favorite costume design, as, like particularly Monica Vitti. The um my probably my favorite movie outfit ever, like ever is the yellow outfit she wears where it's got like oh, a thumb hood and it like. You know, she, like, undoes it to show her face, I guess, at customs, and um it turns into almost like a sunbathing, um, yes. you know, those, th- th- those, like, things people put under their head to sunbathe, but it's yellow, like, puffy foam. It's the weirdest outfit, and I just love it so much, and then I love at the beginning when she's uh talking to the guy from the British uh, spy agency and has this, like, black, like, dressed with a a, um I guess also some kind of a hood or um collar that has yeah there's all these detachables yep yeah and she like uses her puts her eye in one of the holes to kind of tempt him and then uh like sort of goes in for a kiss and then moves the hood so that her mouth isn't in the hole anymore it's just the most interesting use of costume like integrated into story Mm -hmm. um And, you know, the way that they constantly use the outfits that she's wearing as part of the the story, like her um, cuffs that she's wearing that have the tools for them to break out of the jail, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and then uh, when she's in the apartment and um, is like. Romantic with the the guy in the apartment, and they can't figure out how she got her cat suit on. There's like no zipper anywhere. Oh
0: yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just I just
1: I just love how many times like her costumes aren't just like outlandish and interesting but they actually are like part of the plot almost
0: yeah Um, they're figured into the dialogue the plot um I also love how they just kind of blend into the background like they make sure (laughs) sometimes there are clashes and then sometimes it doesn't clash it completely goes the colors are just so eye-poppingly gorgeous like the fuchsias and Um, blues and yellows like you can see how this would maybe really delight like a grade schooler if you put this on for them Mm -hmm. and they were just probably would get totally enraptured by you know you can't really make heads or tails of what's going on but you can just watch it and yeah get fall into the whole spell of the of the movie that they're weaving there it's so fun yeah
1: yeah Yeah, I feel like like people who really like Jacques Demy's use of color would actually maybe enjoy this um, cause it is just complete fun with color, not trying to like, um, you know, not even trying to make it easy on the eyes or something. It's, yeah, you know, sometimes
0: like, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah,
1: it's just total fun with color. I love Gabriel's whole, um, compound where it's like, you know, t- uh, tile and spirals and, and um, diagonal che- checkerboard. And, yes. Yeah, <laughs> so much Chaos. fun pattern yeah. yeah and i love when, when monica bdy's in her like cell and it's like this crazy patterned oh yeah um cell with a sta- like spiral staircase that goes up into his like lair yeah. or whatever <laughs> yeah it's it's just so fun and crazy and i love how she like comes out of the floor with the one finger holding up the little door just ev- <laughs> everything everything about this movie is so visually delightful and i also just love the way that both of them deliver lines and um just I don't even if they weren't actually having fun they deliver yeah. everything oh, with, no, with, professional actors, with yeah. such fun you know yeah. I, I love I love when uh he says that he's the villain so he'll have to kill her and she says but I'm the heroine don't I get away <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> I don't know Very it's a cute. horrible horrible Monica Vitti impression but, but um
0: Okay. but I just, no, that's I, cute. I just love this movie. <laughs> it is. It's like bubble gum. Yeah. Yes. So it yep. should be fun like that for sure. Yep. Sunshine and bubble gum. So I think people, you know, yeah, it's like, don't try to follow it just completely watch and uh, get yep. swept away. It's also yep. one of those that I kind of call like a good background movie, sort of like yep. a Jacques Tati movie. Like, um, which I love, like uh, Mononcle and you know, Playtime, and some of those, where you almost think if you had it on in the background of a party, and then you could just sort of watch bits and pieces. Like Martin Scorsese talks about at his apartment, he'll have one movie on in one room and another on in another room, and he'll like walk around the house working, and from room to room, and you could kind of see like having this on in the background would inspire a lot of creativity. So I can yeah. see that with your art um your artwork I can see that this would be a good source of inspiration yeah. for you. Yeah.
1: yeah and also the the plot feels so like not cohesive that you really could just like pop in and see a scene yep. and just enjoy, enjoy that scene and then Yeah. Leave. <laughs> <Come back. laughs> enjoy a different scene
0: yeah yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) very episodic and very bright and fun well lastly we have the film that I might have liked as much if not slightly better than Darling actually and that's mostly because I think it's such a searing play-like examination of a handful of people at a crossroads in their life so it's 1967's Accident directed once again by Joseph Losey from a script by the great Harold Pinter, it's the third of four collaborations that would include, in addition to Modesty Blaze, An Accident, also The Servant, which was excellent, and my favorite, Losi, uh, which is The Go-Between from 1971, but that one does not star Dirk Bogard, based upon the 1965 novel by Nicholas Mosley, Accident, which won the Grand Prix Special. Du jury at the 1967 Cannes Film Festival centers on a middle-aged Oxford professor played by Bogard, who gets involved in the love lives of two students that he tutors, William, the earnest and affable Michael York, and Jacqueline sissard's uh, enigmatic Austrian beauty Anna, to whom he is drawn despite being a devoted husband with a few kids and a pregnant wife, opening After a car accident, the timing and events of which were unsure for a bulk of the movie, we see glimpses of that, and the film foreshadows some emotional collisions surrounding these characters, as well as a fellow professor played by Stanley Baker that never quite play out the way that we were expecting, which is what makes this film so gripping. I found it very compelling and utterly hard to shake. It kept staying in my head after I watched it. So how about you? What's your take on accident?
1: I'm really glad that you liked it. Isn't yeah. it crazy, actually, that this is the same director as Modesty Blaze? It is, yep. yeah. I, yeah, I love I love Joseph Losey. I feel like, again, he's almost like a director version of Dirk Bogard, where it's like this like yeah. insane versatility.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: like he did Boom, uh, that mm-hmm. like really campy Elizabeth Just Taylor. All over Richard the Bird place. Yes. Yeah. Um, also, uh, kind of fun fact, he apparently actually did five collaborations with Dirk Bogard. He directed uh, The Sleeping Tiger. Okay. Um, but it was during while he was blacklisted, so it's. Uh, the, uh, I, th- I think the producer is the one who has screen credit, but apparently Joseph Losey uh, directed that, so that might have been the first um, collaboration with Dirk Bogart.
0: Um, oh, very cool! Yeah. yeah, did Pinter write that one too, or was that just a different? No, no, I okay, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, yeah, um, but that's cool. He yeah. made so many.
1: Yeah, but um, yeah, I really like this one. This is of the I. The Serpent is probably the more, like, famous, well-regarded mm-hmm. of their collaborations. But I actually prefer Accident, which I know is probably, like, sacrilegious to anybody who's I listening. Know. I thought but, this um, was
0: really good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I think I love Dirk Bogart's performance in this. I feel like mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, um, he has this, like, nervous energy in this movie that's just so... I I don't know. It's so masterful where it feels, it feels so natural that he's just so awkward and uncomfortable in his own skin all the time. Kind of like um, the scene when uh, they're on the boat and he sort of like notices his arm is like too close to Jacqueline Sassard and kind of like Mm -hmm. crosses his arms. It's this subtle movement, but like you just can like, it's It's a palpable discomfort that you yeah. feel you know
0: it's loaded with meaning yep. yeah. yeah yeah
1: every single movement he does is like that and even mm-hmm. when they're doing that um that game where uh all of the men are sort of like i i, I don't understand actually what is particularly going on in this game no <laughs> yeah <laughs> or, it
0: was a weird or, game
1: <laughs> yeah but, but this at the beginning when he's kind of just like standing on the fringe uh watching them huddle. And stuff and just seems so out of place and not just out of place in the room, but like so uncomfortable in his own skin being there, like just that yeah. au- awkwardness. And I feel like probably because I'm also very awkward that I can relate to I that feeling of, oh. yeah, where, um, and I don't see it a lot in movies where you sometimes see people who are supposed to be outsiders and awkward mm-hmm. and like sort of on the outside looking in but that scene where they're doing that and he just seems so um why am I here I yeah. d- should not be standing here it and he's not saying anything you just look at him and you can sense that discomfort and I just think it's brilliant um how yeah I, I don't know how he did it but, but you can just like feel that coming coming out of the screen
0: Yeah, it's kind of a combination of um, the character he plays plays here with the character like Julie Christie played in Darling, where they're constantly looking for something. They're in situations with other people, but they're not sure if they're the right people. Um, You know, you see his questioning. He's very uncomfortable in his own skin, as you were saying He also sees, um, I think he's going through a midlife crisis. It's a cliched word, but it's so true. He sees the Michael York character as somebody who has his whole life ahead of him um, and is like both jealous of him and drawn to the Anna character, but also um, I think resents what she represents because she is free at the moment. He doesn't know a few things about her. So yeah, it's a masterful um, film of like, People who you think about one way might not be living the life that you would expect. Like you think, oh, he's yeah. this married, happily um, contented man. He's not, or oh, she's just this innocent girl who um, he doesn't want to get involved with him uh, fixing up students, which made me laugh because I had a professor who actually fixed me up with a different one of his um, former students. So that was kind of funny. <laughs> um, but anyway, so you see. Um, that play out and yeah, it's really good. Like the scene where he takes a walk with her or when she's Mm -hmm. over there, Um, he's just very constantly aware of his body and where her body is. Everybody's been in a situation with like that, where you're with maybe somebody you're attracted to or somebody you shouldn't be attracted to or vice versa. And you're just very awkward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so There's a lot going on.
1: Yeah. I feel like it's a combination of his acting and the direction that it It lingers on Mm -hmm. body movements and, um, just that like little shift I'm, I'm trying to, I'm doing it where I'm showing you, and this is a podcast.
0: Oh, (laughs) you're fine. No. Yeah. It's like uh, Um, fidgety a little bit moving. Yeah. Almost hurting himself. I'm I'm Mm -hmm. trying to think of a way to describe it.
1: Sort of moving inward. Um, like trying not to take up a lot of space if he feels like she's nearby. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it's very, like, a lot of scenes where that's all that's happening is just, you're noticing him moving. And, you know, the camera's just sort of, like, watching. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, there's no dialogue. It's just the awkwardness happening. (laughs) That's it. Um, I love that.
0: Yeah. And it's also a question of people putting themselves and their happiness over other people. Like there's that image yeah. of her, you know, stepping on, I won't say character space, like to get oh, out God, of an yeah. accident. It's very, yeah, it's just harrowing. Um, and people doing things you would not expect uh, when they're, you know, pushed. Um, it's yeah, it's a startling film. I love Pinter because he gets to the discomfort of, humanity uh he confronts things and so uh this was you know another one of those I saw the go between I think it was like a year ago and it's became like one of my favorite movies after I watched that I was just so blown away by it and so now I'm gonna have to like search out more of that and also Dirk Bogard's uh collaborations with OC because they make a very good team yeah
1: Yeah. well you I think all you have left is uh is it King and Country is that what it's called I don't know. I feel like that's what it's called. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, and I guess Sleeping Tiger. Yeah. Um, te- technically, but because um, you said you saw the servant. Now. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So good. But um, yeah, I also I really loved. There's this scene when um, he goes to visit his ex, and the whole thing is oh yeah the, where their dialogue is happening, but it's not um, being shown. They're showing other scenes happening. I love.
0: that that was really clever yeah yeah it seemed like like something out of darling almost but
1: yeah 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 maybe that's Uh, why I like it
0: (laughs) yeah or something new wave inspired we should probably say that makes more sense but yeah
1: yeah yeah I just love like whenever they do something sort of like just a little bit different and um like even actually the ending where they play the audio from the accident over his house um like where it looks idyllic and everything is you know, quote unquote mm-hmm. back to normal and stuff, but it's not like the accident mm-hmm. is always gonna be like um hovering over that like happy existence that he supposedly has in that house. You know, it's like always gonna be a background noise.
0: Yes. Oh, you know? that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. I know it's stuff happens and uh yeah, it's again with the surface level, you're not sure. Mm-hmm. What's yeah. going on beneath? And um yeah, no, I was really taken in by this. I was glad you recommended it. I probably so would glad. have completely missed it. So I'm gonna have to go down a deeper rabbit hole of some of these. But yeah, and I know we stopped it at, at four there because of the amount of time and the prep involved. Um, but he is a big favorite of yours so as an expert i would love it if you would recommend other movies he made that you enjoyed you've mentioned a few that you think people should check out and including mm-hmm. me of course yes
1: <laughs> <laughs> well definitely definitely the servant and victim are mm-hmm. like two of his other like big movies that i probably should have included <laughs> oh no you're fine but um
0: this was a good one. Yeah.
1: i just i i yeah. I tried to go with ones where it's like my personal favorites or ones, um, like so long at the fair, I was hoping, um, uh, might hook you in the same way it hooked me. Um, yeah. where you're like, you know, Oh, who is this Dirk Bogart that, you know, maybe I'll watch a little bit more of his movies, mm-hmm. but, um. But yeah, other, other than those two, I would say I, if you can find Todd enough for June, it's also called like agent eight and three quarters, I think is its alternate title. Um, it it sort of starts with, uh, 007 has been killed and they need somebody like fill in for him. So they get a writer who is, um, on unemployment (laughs) to, Mm -hmm. they like, have a job for him. And the job is like filling in for 007 on an assignment. And he's just this like bumbling writer who does not belong in a spy mission. Oh, um, sounds it's good. It's very fun and um, very well done. It's like not that well known, but I, I, it's like probably my favorite sort of spy spoof kind of movie. And um, if you can get your hands on it, I think it's really fun. Cool.
0: Um, yeah, I, I'm going to look like, for that.
1: I, well, you don't have to look for it because I'll probably send oh, you my copy.
0: Nice. <laughs> I will borrow it and
1: take good care of it. Yes. <laughs> um, but, but if anyone else wants to try and search for it or if you have a region-free player, I'm pretty sure it's on region two. Okay. Um, so that would that would be one. Uh, his version of A Tale of Two Cities is really good.
0: Um, yes, I saw that yeah. when I was younger. Yep, I remember that one.
1: I, I personally prefer the Ronald I think so, action, yeah. But, um, I do but it is good
0: yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah um what else you um, know i was gonna death and say venice. oh death in venice yeah that's yeah. One, another one of the biggies that i need to watch yeah uh, it's I actually
1: was... funny um yeah. that like my my other favorite actor as you know is Alan Delon. and yeah. there's so there's like a lot of overlap actually like they both worked with visconti twice i think okay um,
0: like yeah the leopard uh, and Ger- uh what was yeah, the, the other leopard
1: one and Rocco and his brothers oh that's right yeah uh, Rocco and his brothers and then Dirk Bogard I think the damned and um uh death in Venice and then they both worked with Joseph Losey uh Alain Delon did Your Klein um
0: mm. oh and, yeah you recommended that one to me I I'd love yeah. to find that yeah oh
1: we should do that for a uh Delon De Niro watch <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. That's a very haunting movie, uh, yeah. but very good. Um, but it's, it's interesting. Cause I just like sort of noticed uh, these like overlaps in, you know, where and they also both kind of, it's almost like reversed uh, careers where Dirk Bogart started doing like a lot of, um matinee idol movies that are like uh or crime movies like he did like hunted and the blue lamp and stuff um and then moved into these movies with these like powerhouse uh european directors and then alain Delon, it's like right out of the gate he's doing like rocco and his brothers and purple noon and um Mm -hmm. you know like these like very artsy movies and like Rocco and his brothers. And then later on moves into like crime films and uh, sort of like less prestigious films later. It's almost like a, like a reversal in a way.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah, Absolutely.
1: Although Alain Delon also did a lot of matinee movies in the early 60s, so I don't know what I'm talking
0: about. (laughs) Oh, no. But he's kind of more, like, synonymous with those um, European masterworks, basically. Yeah. No, what I was thinking, too, with Accident is Michael York um, in Cabaret. I was thinking, because I just gave Kate that movie, and um, she needs to see it. It's one of my favorites. But (laughs) it was funny, because his character... uh, and that kind of like has his whole life ahead of him or searching and trying to find himself. And so watching Accident, it was a, an interesting one that made me think, boy, I want to watch Cabaret again, even though I just watched it a couple months ago. But yeah, so
1: I'll have to watch that one next.
0: Yeah. So it was kind of yeah. cool to see um, these actors. And of course, Julie Christie, who I've seen in a million things in different light, like some of the um, mm-hmm. other shades of their talent, their range. Monica yeah. Beattie in a new light, um, Terrence Stamp. Yeah. So this was really a lot of fun. It was a, I think, a cool selection, really, because you. Um, you know, you span the matinee idol into the art house, into the like cult classic, basically, with Modesty Blaze. So I want to thank you so much for doing this.
1: Well, thank you for having me.